You can't just waltz into the central bureaucracy. It's a tangled web of red tape and regulations. I've never been, but a friend of mine went completely mad just trying to find the washroom there. Then we'll need a guide. Someone who's been there before. Oh, I've been there lots of times. <laughs> Welcome to Tripod, a podcast about cinema's unofficial trilogies, three films which are not linked by the usual elements like characters or plot, but instead are connected by a director or writer or actor, or sometimes much, much less. I'm Matt. I'm Tyree. Oh, Tyree's frozen. <laughs> oh, no. Ah, oh, folks, this is going to be that kind of an no, episode, Francis. I believe. He's over in New Zealand. <laughs> Say your name, Tyree. Uh... I did. I did. I must have frozen again. Uh, yeah. Do, try uh, as again. soon as we press record, now it starts freezing. We had like 40 minutes of clean, clean internet connection. Now it's all gone to hell. Well, it's gone to hell, but you know who he is. He's Tyree. And today we're continuing Terry Gilliam's Imagination Trilogy with his 1985 film, Brazil. Uh, trilogy of Imagination, only... baby. Not only is the connection a little bit iffy, but so is our energies. We're both a little bit under the weather today, folks. I'm ill. I'm <laughs> What'd you say? I, I just thought you said, I am ill. Like, I am old. <laughs> I feel I like him. Old. Yeah, I feel like Bridges at the end of that, that whole run in True Grit. I feel like uh, I've woken up today with one of those things where you're like, you could either get sick for a few days or you could just like tell your brain like, nah. Not not today, friend. And then the next day you yeah. wake up fine. But in the moment, yeah. I'm in that middle day where it's like, could go either way, buddy. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, do I want a sick day? Do I want to get out of work? Ooh, mm. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Coming to you guys live from New Zealand. I've traveled across the pond to be with my partner. Hence why we're... Uh, <laughs> do the movie <laughs> what uh <laughs> play the movie what um what island are you on man uh north island auckland auckland city very nice or as people very, from wellington call nice. it dorkland really no <laughs> okay i was gonna say i think that speaks worse of the people from wellington if they're like oh we got them we got them <laughs> We drag Yeah, them. that's a good point. Um, uh, yeah, Brazil. Uh, Speaking of countries, Brazil. Brazil, yeah. So I'm going to come uh, right out and say it. I have yeah. a surprise for you, Ty. I have two things that I'm excited to tell you. You didn't watch the movie. I watched the movie. Okay. Um, But I did little to no research because... Um, I was excited to kind of be bathed in new opinions of this movie um, by, you know, by the hand of your kind of research and your investigation, which I thought you would probably uh, have done. I maybe have stuffed up if you haven't done any. But yeah, I was excited for new opinions, new perspectives, because my opinion and perspective uh, is the second thing that I was excited to tell you, which is that we've been looking for an episode where we disagree and I feel like maybe this is it because I did not care for this film. <laughs> I can, Ouch. I can, yeah. I appreciate. I like. I, I, I've got. I've got some great things to say about it. 
and I've got some meh things to say about it, but uh, that's that's yeah. my hot take. What did what did you? What was wow. it, what's yours? How do you feel about it? Uh, well, Matt, uh, I don't I don't quite know how to say this, but uh, uh, our views probably align more than you think. I think maybe by the sounds of things, I cared about it a bit more than you. Yeah, like I liked it a bit more than it. It sounds like you did. But yeah. yeah, I also walked out of this going, yep, it's okay. <laughs> oh, I don't really? see what okay. all the fuss is about. Yeah, okay, interesting. I, I, I wasn't Which, completely... Which, you know, I'm, I'm crushed a little bit. I went in really wanting to love it because I'd heard so many good things and I'd seen so many amazing images out of this movie. And whenever I look at the poster, I'm always like, man, I bet I'd love this movie. I bet it's mm. everything I love about a good movie. Uh, but yeah, I, I left loving some stuff, but otherwise on the whole going, eh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I had yeah. assumed that you would come out being like, not, I, I, I definitely didn't think you'd come out being like, oh, so good. It's all perfect. It's amazing. But I thought, <laughs> I thought you'd have like a similar, like kind of weird love that I had for time bandits where you're just like, it's just so fun and weird and wacky and. Yeah, dreamlike and some of that, and I, I just, yeah, I, I started. No. I think because I, I, did you feel like this? How long did this feel for you? This felt like a massive slog for me. This is this is like a problem of Gilliam's in a way, where it's like, I mean, we'll definitely get into this because hearing about the the back and forth he had with the execs over the length of this film was a very interesting one, right? Uh, perhaps more interesting than the movie itself. Who knows? But. uh this is a problem a problem I find with a lot of his movies, which is yeah, they just they they go on. They just keep on dragging on. Uh um there's like Don Quixote, uh The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, and yeah, Brazil. I feel like there is lots of fat that could be taken out of it to make it a tighter, better piece. But yeah, it just it keeps on going. It does. It ends it? up being what two hours and twenty minutes, I think. It's roughly comes in at two hours twenty. Two hours twenty. So it's lengthy. Yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, I think. I mean, how do you want to like break it down? Because I feel like more than anything, this film, like I, I'm, in, I'm almost like hesitant to try and go through it beat by beat, or like like we do, like break down the plot. But I think that might actually be the best way to start at talking about it because. <laughs> Otherwise, I think it's going to be, it's such a, it's such a mesh up of so many different things. And so it gets, mm. especially in that last half hour, it gets so batshit crazy um, <laughs> that I feel like maybe we need I to forget that it of, is, it is half an hour. Like that last you'd almost expect that segment to be, yeah, you'd expect it to be 15, but yeah, it comes in at half an hour. You'd hope it to be less even than that. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> That's the thing, man. I didn't, I didn't, it's not like I hated it. It's just that it made me like tired. And it was like, the, the, here's, here's what I'll say about this film right off okay. the bat. It, okay. it felt to me like the kind of movie that you would watch in year 10 for like English. And that's really? not necessarily, yeah, because that's not necessarily saying that it's like bad because we watched a few good films in high school. Like I think we watched Gattaca. I think in legal studies we watched um, Time to Kill, which I I, I enjoyed. <laughs> Uh, probably a weird watch now. Maybe I, I watched know, but... V for Vendetta for some reason. Oh, see, that's the thing, right? Is I don't know. I feel if V for Vendetta, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um... You watched Who Framed Roger Rabbit? No, I no no. I'm just naming films that this kind of reminded me of a little bit. 
even like Blade Runner oh. to, to a degree. I don't know this this thing. It just kind of feels, um, it 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 feels so up for interpretation in so many areas, and it's so bizarrely mm. um, kind of creative and strange. But everyone's buying into it so much. It it just feels like mm. it feels like a fantasy or like you know obviously a, a, a piece of imagination for adults because it's like. Yeah. It's equal parts kind of bizarre and a bit fun and like kind of hilarious in parts and also really tragic and dark in others. Like mm. there were some scenes in this that I was like, oh my God, like yeah. the, you know, so I don't know. It just felt like scenes, the kind of film. Were those we scenes effective watched. for you? Yeah, definitely. There, that's All what right. I mean is that, that's why I didn't think that's, I think this movie, like for me, it's, it's almost like, what, what, what would I compare it to? Some kind of like, maybe, um, maybe like, I don't know, brutalist architecture or something. It's like, I can okay. respect how insane it is and how much how much effort went into making it and it's like such a like an incredible thing to look at but it's like at the end of the day it's like it's not my taste it's not a lot of people's tastes Mm. it's very kind of um i don't know prickly and sharp and weird and just kind of there like i don't know it's so so i i definitely i think it's one of it's it's one of the more interesting looking and such an incredibly well-made film from like a prop mm. and set dressing and like production standpoint um there yeah. was some awesome miniature work in this thing that i loved and some mm. really cool ideas for like interesting technology that because at the start of the film doesn't it say sometime in the 20th century it's meant to be in like the late 90s that like or something did, did uh, I read that wrong? I can't quite remember i mean i've heard people describe it as you know set in no time at all it's sort of yeah, it feels time. like it could Past, be set future, present, all that kind of stuff. It feels like it could be set in 2080, but if the technology just went sideways instead of like got better or something, yeah. you know, like it's, you know, it's kind of parallel. But anyway, so I just feel like it, it, yeah, I've given a few kind of I guess analogies or metaphors or whatever for like what the what it felt like for me, but mm. at the end of the day it just kept feeling like I was going to be made to study this thing. Um it felt like <laughs> it felt like more it felt and that's like why you chose not to do any research. Like, yeah, no, I was like, I, ain't, not- I, I was like, I ain't doing no homework. Hey, you can, yeah, I'm, Mrs. Van Der <laughs> you, you can, you can shove it. You can, you can take this <laughs> film and shove it. No, I think that at the end of the day, it felt like um, less of a compelling story yeah. and more of a character going through, um, like living and kind of um, seeing the, the, the reality or the flaws in a world that was not, like I said, not really like a story. It was more, the film was just like a very, um, it was, it was Terry, it was just watching Terry Gilliam's opinions on, on everything that's weird and wrong and sadistic about bureaucratic and like um, political Mm. influence in the world back when it was made. Um, Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. It's it, very much in his felt, wheelhouse and yeah, the Python's wheelhouse, like a dissertation basically. as opposed to like a a real I don't know st- story. I guess that's kind of unfair yeah. though because it is a story. There is a story to it. I'm not yeah. like, and at times it was really engaging, but at, other, at most of the time it was just like, man, this is going on for a while. And I, I think, know. yeah. Look, my my two cents uh, on this on this picture. Um, I, I agree with a lot of the things you said. Um, a lot of the a lot of the reviews that I've been reading about this movie from from when it was released and you know recently like some retrospectives they tend to highlight the fact that it's oh it's it's Terry Gilliam's unfettered imaginations or the good and the bad you know so some mm. things don't work some things do and that's the mm. charm of it mm. um but for me it's like that's not a 
I don't think that's a like a good bit of criticism to give. Like I don't think that I think that's too easy to say. Oh yeah, the bits that don't work. Well, that's all part of the fun, you know. It's like eh, I, I guess kind of, but also like <laughs> shouldn't you analyze why they don't work? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you can also pick apart why they don't work. I mean, it it feels like it's uh, a bit unfocused. And for all the amazing imaginative things he crams in there, he sort of sacrifices uh, a lot of the story's heart and it becomes harder to actually empathize with the characters and experience the story through them. So you you stop feeling immersed in the story itself and you, you start, you know, you get pushed out of it basically because you're like, wait, I didn't, I, I'm not connected here. I'm not plugged in. Um, it's a, it's a much darker movie from Time Bandits, obviously. Mm. Uh, it's a lot more fatalist. Um, it's, I mean, in his words, it's about the impossibility of escaping reality this time, but trying all the same. Uh, this is sort of his Empire Strikes Back, which is you know an obvious comparison to make because it's the middle <laughs> film. It's bleaker. But they're also like just interesting little parallels, like the fact that, I mean, there's one sequence, one dream sequence in which the main character, Sam, uh, slays this giant samurai warrior who's made of all these computer chips. And when he unmasks it, he sees his own face there. And I was like, that reminds me of Empire Strikes Back when Luke kills Vader mm. on Dagobah and sees mm. his own face there. Um which is also, uh, well, if we can get into that, I think you're right. We may need to walk, we may need to walk through the plot. And I, I did a good job of actually like beating out every point because for for a while there, I was like, oh, I'm not going to write down the plot. We'll just we'll talk through it pretty naturally as we do. Mm. And then before just we started recording, I was mountain. like, Yeah, I was just kind of like, wait, fuck, what happens again? Yeah, <laughs> shit. All right, we, we, let's put this put together. Um, so yeah, that that might be helpful. But before we do, we should probably mm. introduce the film for yeah. those of you who don't, for those of you listeners who don't know what the what the fuck we're talking about. Um, <laughs> Brazil is the 1960, 1963 set in Rio de Janeiro. It's about uh, <laughs> it's about the festival of Lent leading up to Carnival. <laughs> Brazil is a country, uh, or rather a city. Uh, wait, is fuck. Hang on. No, it's a country. Yes. Ha ha ha. Uh, they speak Portuguese there. Wait, what? Um, <laughs> it's like one of the I don't know. I'm sick. World. Okay. I'm sick. He's got. My brain's not working. He's been it's, tortured it's... by the government. Exactly. I've been. Ah, the, the New Zealand government's been cracking down. <laughs> They're angry at me for bringing illness into this country. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, man. no. It, it, it may be helpful to get through the plot. But yeah, it's um, Brazil, 1985 film by terry gilliam uh it is about uh sam lowry played by jonathan price uh hang on i've got my fucking plot here i need to use this Eh. yes it's set in a dystopian hyper consumerist totalitarian city sometime in the near future or maybe past or maybe present and it follows a a low level government employee named sam lowry who daydreams about being a winged hero saving uh, a mysterious damsel in distress. And yeah. yeah, that's it. Show over. Goodbye. Done. Two stars. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, this is actually, I am actually, it's very interesting that you didn't like this film as much. I, I wondered if you would like this, but um, we'll definitely get into it when we get to our like sort of takeaways. But I had, <clears throat> I had some thoughts on how popular this film would be nowadays as opposed to then. And 
Um, there's some interesting research that did come up on this very subject, so mm. can't wait to get to it, Maddie. Cool. Can I? Yeah. Can I? Uh, I think you, the point you raised about it kind of reminding you of Star Wars and a few other things, like the fact that it kind of it has the tent poles of what feels like a kind of a archetypical kind of hero's journey-ish, kind of like a guy going from inside the system to figuring out that it's you know corrupt and that he needs to break mm. out of it and all this kind yeah. of like interesting stuff but it and so it kind of draws you in with that and the mystery and the the, the stuff like that but then it, it yeah it it diverges and divulges into something that you're like yeah it's you're losing me kind of thing um but just on the <laughs> star wars just on the star wars parallels mm. um i i had a thought where i was like de niro is like the boba fett of this film where it's like he's he's the best character he's in like 3% of the film and like you want to see like a hundred percent more of him. But if you did, the film would kind of lose all like purpose of what it's trying to do, I think. Um, but I was like, man, that, that guy, I want to see more of him and God, can he zip line? Oh yeah, dude. Oh man. That he, so he plays the, the plumber slash repairman, uh, Archibald Tuttle. And yeah, that guy is definitely dead. There's no way he's surviving that zip line down. Dude, fuck like, this movie for killing the coolest character with paper. What the fuck <laughs> happened there? That was, I was very, I think this was in the doldrums of me watching it and like hours passing and me being like, hurry up. Oh, well, hang on. Okay, so you're jumping, you're jumping right ahead. Manny know, is jumping right let's, ahead let's, here. Let's, 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 I mean, let's, look, let's, he's not, I mean, <laughs> like a it's a very, there's a very good chance that he's not even dead. I mean, that was yeah. all probably a dream. I mean, sequence, is there right? a good chance that he didn't even exist? Anyway, I don't, I'm confused. Uh, yeah, maybe. No, this movie I, see, I is think either a lot of, too yeah. smart for me or too dumb for me. E- either or. No, 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 no. no. I, I think you are dumb, but I, I don't think. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, I think, I think, like you said, let's, let's. Can, can you, can you? Because uh, this is, a, this is what I'm excited. Um, my, my, I was obviously, um, my laziness had a purpose, and I'm excited to hear about the making <laughs> of this thing, and also the, the like you, you kind of uh, extrapolated on some opinions that had been given around it but do you want to before we jump into the plot quickly do you want to talk about the the making of in terms of um gilliam's kind of process because this was what he was trying to make before time bandits right i think as early as the life of brian he'd been trying to get this film up on its feet um it it went through several different uh screenwriters uh several different titles i think at one stage it was called the ministry or how i learned to live with the system something like that um eventually he landed on the name brazil because he was quite taken by this image of a a man he saw at a beach somewhere in uh, london uh, like somewhere in britain rather there was this coal mining town near the water and he saw this man sitting on this this beach which was black from all the coal in the area Mm. and this man was listening to this radio and he was playing the song Brazil. I don't know which version, um, but it's a very happy, cheery song about being in a better place, a sunnier place. And yeah, Terry just loved that image. And he was like, I think that could be a good name for the movie. Um, Cause that's sort of what the film's about. It's about a man who's stuck in this grim system, this grim reality and is trying to break out of it. That's the, the whole idea. A lot of parallels well, to 1984. It, you probably it kind noticed. of it, it's like that's a really good setup, but it's also not about him trying to break out of it like at all, except for maybe the last what thirty minutes. Yeah. It's about him trying to find a woman for really very, a very like the reason because she's in his dreams, kind of. But it's also mm. not the same woman. 
Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. So, yeah. The, so the, he's the not woman, trying to break yeah, out. He's, he's actually he's yeah. actually very happy in his in his position in the system, mm. which is a typical way to kind of start these movies. Mm. You know, it's like the mm. Neo kind of you know Blade Runner st- style, like you know part of the system, to, and then realizes the you know the faults within and has to kind of destroy yeah. it from within. But like he, he yeah. doesn't try and escape it until I don't even know what. Like when he starts to when he's about to get um, well when he finds her and they they. I don't know. This love he has for this woman he dreams about, Jill Layton, nice um, isn't the isn't yeah isn't the perfect metaphor for trying to escape reality. It does eventually begin to work, but for yeah, almost half the film, it doesn't quite fit with the bigger point that the the the, the movie's trying to drive at. Yeah, and yeah, you're right. For the, for for way too long, uh, Sam is a complacent character. Um, and far be it from my place to, you know, tell a, an established director like Terry Gilliam how to structure a film. Uh, but I feel like this could have benefited from jumping into that a bit quicker somehow. Mm. Uh, like, yeah, getting to the red pill, blue pill moment just, you know, in the first act as opposed to, you know, a little bit too deep into the actual story proper. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you want to talk plot, huh? Yeah, definitely, because I've taken, like I said, got no research, but I got plenty of notes as I was watching. No, 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 I'm an idiot. Yes, sorry, we were talking about context, and I've jumped the gun. Oh, yeah, so he saw a guy on the beach and was like, Brazil. (laughs) He was like, that's a picture right there. So he's been trying to get this film made for ages, and no one in Hollywood was in the Gilliam business, basically. They were like, hell no. We don't want to make this shit. He was offered to make uh, a movie for Fox. They sort of had like a, a blank check option for him, if you will, where mm-hmm. they were like, all right, well, you can make Brazil, but first you've got to make this project of ours, which we think will be a killer. Once you make that, then you can make whatever project you want after that. Uh, the project was Enemy Mine with Dennis Quaid. Do you know that one? Ever come across that? I have ne- never, it, never, it's, never. It's an okay sci-fi film, but I've heard I've heard some people picking it apart, and there's some interesting things about that script. But anyway, he was like, like, "No, fuck one. that." <laughs> he was like, "I think I might, Im- I think I might turn more heads and sort of attract more people to my script if I sort of double down and refuse any other project until I get Brazil made." Um, so he decides to turn down Fox's offer, and he takes his script, which he's sort of began to develop with a couple other screenwriters um, who we got here, Tom Stoppard, Charles McCohen, Charles Alverson as well, who's uncredited on this. Uh, he takes this script with, uh, with the producer, Aaron Milchin. They head, uh, they head off to Cannes and they try and get this thing uh, bought by one of the studios. Hmm. Uh, hey, here's a funny story. Uh, Aaron Milchin was trying to get a distri- dis- bleh, distribution deal for Once Upon a Time in America. Isn't what? that crazy? That's probably how they got De Niro involved as well. Yeah. Yeah. So at the same time, 1985, uh, the Once Upon a Time in America was in production and Aaron Milchin was trying to uh, get that distributed. Um, who knows? Maybe they got, maybe he got uh, Robert De Niro and Terry Gilliam in contact. Apparently Bob's a big fan of his work and he said, I want to be in your film. And, Sweet. Uh, yeah, yeah Bob, Bob, Bob loves, uh, loves Time Bandits for sure. Yes, and and who doesn't? You know, I mean, Time <laughs> Bandits is just uh, just a fun romp. I am um, <laughs> through time. I, uh, 
I loved I loved seeing De Niro and actually liking him in this film. Like that was a nice change where I was like, ah, oh, what a guy. He's a hero. Yeah. Well, it was he's interesting nice... seeing him play a bit character as well. This yes. early in his career. Like he's at, you know, he's at the top of his game and he's only playing gangsters and outlaws and uh well, he's he's playing all types of characters basically, but he's never playing bit parts. He's always mm. big, substantial, um, in the spotlight roles. Yes. All right. So, well, content. another version, another oh, version ahead. of this, another version of this movie is focused on De Niro. I reckon, like that's like so. That's why I reckon he was interested in the part because it's like you're not the main character, but if we told the story a different way, you would be. <laughs> you know, it's just through the eyes of uh, this bureaucrat. So yeah. you're kind of this phantom figure. Yeah. Well, apparently he wanted Michael Palin's role, Jack Linton. He really oh, wanted really? that role. Yeah, and this is one of the rare the rare examples of a director saying, no, you can't have that one, Robert. Pick another one. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, Terry Gilliam is not playing by any uh, any of the, the rules of Hollywood, I think. I don't think he's quite learned. Uh, I don't think he's quite learned how to operate within that system at this yeah, stage. Yeah, wow. That's incredible. <laughs> Would never yeah. have thought that, that De Niro was pipped at the post for a role by a Monty Python member. <laughs> yeah, he must have been like, oh man, this guy's got some cojones on him. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, the the dream team, Gilliam and Milchin are out at Khan. They're trying to get people to buy this script. Um, somehow, uh, they manage to get into a bidding war between Universal and Fox. And like all of a sudden there's this talk. Because I think, I think uh, uh, the life of Brian was blowing up and doing really well at Khan. It was being promoted as well. And so... They were going, okay, look, I mean, Time Bandits did well. Life of Brian is doing great. Maybe this script has got some merit to it. He even turned down a good script just to get this thing made. So I don't know. Maybe there's something to this script that we're not seeing that that is, you know, profitable. Mm. And the spitting war starts. Eventually Universal uh, buys the script for about $9 million USD for all US rights. And uh, they, get into, they get into production. Um there's this documentary. Uh, it's part of the Criterion Collection of release of this movie. It's called The Battle for Brazil. Basically details the whole troubled production of this movie. It's really interesting watching it because you see Terry has this this way about making movies and operating within Hollywood. And then you see all these studio executives who are completely anathema to the type of person he is. And they're trying to explain to him the reality of what it's like making a movie. And it's hard not to see a parallel between that and the story of Brazil, where you've got this, this dreamer, Sam Lowry, trying to like buck the system and break free from the, the chains of reality and live out a dream life, essentially. The script gets optioned. It's bought for $9 million. They go into production, yada, yada, yada. Okay, Gilliam shows, uh, shows his first cut to the execs. It's about two hours and 20 minutes long. He was contracted for about two hours, 15 minutes. So the oh. execs are like, eh, okay, we need to trim this thing down. And the mm. first big cut they suggest is, and we'll get to this when we run down to the plot, is the the bleak ending. They're like, eh, look, we have no idea who's going to watch this film. So if we try and make it a bit more marketable, mm. maybe more people are going to see it. So let's cut the bad, let the sad, you know, dark ending, make mm. it a happy one, make it a neat two hours, 15 minutes, bada bing, we've got a picture. And Terry was very defensive and was like, no, don't touch my fucking movie. <laughs> and I think this is one of those things where I think at the time, 
a lot of people, and still even to this day, a lot of people were rooting for Gilliam to like preserve his vision and his final cut. It was sort of a David versus Goliath story in a lot of people's right. eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's it. You know, you, Gilliam goes to Washington, or in this case, Hollywood, and, you know, he, he tells the studios, no, this is my film. We make it my way. Um, but to me, I'm kind of like, okay, yes and no. I mean, studio execs tend to be fuddy-duddies who don't know anything about art and making a good movie. But also you you, you have to find a way to – you have to find a way to work with them in a way. Uh, and I think he sort of took the war path a bit and it caused a lot right. of problems, especially with one producer in particular, Sid Scheinberg. Have you come across that name at all? I have not. I have not. Okay. But I do want to say quickly, like, I agree with you. Like the, yeah, studio execs, execs you, there's that there's that cliched thing that they're all kind of business minded and not story minded mm. or not art minded. But you know, there's, there's got to be, there's it's definitely some of them, like you said, that they don't know how to, the, 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 the picture of them not being able to make art or make uh, a good movie. It's like, well, a lot of them can make good movies. Mm. It's just about how the, the clashing of that comes up when someone who wants to make art, which I feel like this film is more an, a, a piece of art than actually like potentially like a, a, a story, mm. maybe. I don't, I'm not really sold on yeah. that yet, but th- that's where the the trick. That's where the, I guess the 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 stickiest and uh, murkiest kind of um, uh, relationships uh, subside, I guess, in that in that way is because mm. it's like you know, or the most troublesome is because there's there's a person trying to make art, and then there's someone who's like, well, yeah, but we gotta sell it so the people want to go watch it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. people are paying money to go on their Sunday afternoon. Yeah. They want to see a happy ending. Yeah, not yes. so you know something so bleak, but yeah. David Fincher provides like really great um, sort of thoughts on this matter where he's like, uh, you know, yes, you are the sort of, you and the creative team are the authors of this story. But at the end of the day, a studio is putting their entire business on the line to make a profit here. And it's like, Mm. at the end of the day, you can't see how businesses work as good as they can. You can see how art works perfectly, but studio execs see how business works and there's a reason Mm. it's called show business um i feel like i'm selling out saying all this stuff right (laughs) but we we just we snap our fingers and we're just immediately in suits with like exactly like (laughs) slicked back hair exactly exactly well that was the other funny thing is in this documentary battle for brazil um terry gilliam's looking his classic self he's got this long hair he's wearing like a hawaiian shirt or something like that and then all the execs are like in suits they sound completely boring and dry like dried dishwater kind of the and they're all just like well at the end of the day we have to turn a profit and i just (laughs) wasn't uh making any sense um but yeah anyway while most of the execs were stumped on what this film was and thought well if we can just trim it down maybe it'll be a bit more accessible for people one of them, Sid Scheinberg, he was like, no, 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 that this will be a very profitable picture. We just have to edit it a lot. And he and Terry Gilliam butted heads a lot. Uh, and their correspondence between the two is really funny. If you can seek out any sort of like videos or documentaries on it, definitely do. It's really worth your time, I think. But yeah, right. he, he was adamant on cutting the darker ending. <clears throat> <clears throat> the film ends up not getting released for a long time because they couldn't agree on how to cut the film and, and Terry refused to make any more changes on it. 
this all comes to a head when one day um, Terry's invited to this this talk at uh, a film school. I think it was the Universal Film School. And he proposed, oh, why don't we show some, why don't we show Brazil and see what the, the students think? And Universal catches wind of it. They're like, nope, you're not showing Brazil at all. And like, apparently what ensued was Gilliam went to the, he went to the lecture or the talk and he spent the next hour like taking calls, taking phone calls with his lawyer who was talking to the Universal Studios lawyer and then coming back to the lecture hall and going, okay, here are the updates. Here's what's happening. And he would just tell all the students, this is what, this is what filmmaking really is. It's, you know, like 10% you make a movie and then the rest the 90% is like dealing with lawyers and shit. Um, he, they end up, they end up agreeing to, uh, Gilliam and say, okay, you can show, you can show them a few clips. And he's like, ah, that's not going to work. Um, but he ends up going to another university to do another talk and he goes up to the projectionist and he says, Hey, apparently we're allowed to f- show a film clip of Brazil. Do you think that'll work? And one of the guys at the, the university, his name is Mark Finkel. I don't know what his position was, uh, but he says in this documentary, yeah, so yeah, Terry Gilliam told us that. And uh, we decided to show a film clip that was roughly the exact length of the entire film. And so they just showed Brazil then and there. They ended up screening it multiple <laughs> times because so many students wanted to see it. They screened it multiple times. Eventually, film critics heard about it and they're like, we want to go watch this as well. So they went to the union and watched it. And then they started writing reviews about it and saying, it's amazing. It's the best fucking thing ever. Um, also apparently the air conditioning broke, so it stank like shit and it was gross. Um, but everyone loved it. The critics were like, the critics checked their, their bylaws and they said, okay, can we actually nominate this for a critics award? They're like, I don't see why not. Let's do it. Gets nominated for all these awards, like best script, best movie, best director wins all of them in a clean sweep. And then after universal sees all the praise it's getting, they're suddenly like, okay, well look. I think we better just release the film as is in this case. Um, they figured all this publicity and all this like trouble that Gilliam was causing actually benefited the film in a lot of ways because, mm. hey, you know, it's <laughs> people are talking about it. Perfect. Let's get it out into cinemas and get people to watch it. Um, I think to your point, which you brought up earlier, not really responding too well to this film. I think the reason people responded to it so well at the time Mm. was because they felt like they were part of a moment in history where they were like, they connected so much with Sam and his struggle to, to, to sort of, to um, stick it to the man. And mm. they sort of saw that in them, themselves and were thinking, Hey, we can stick it to the man as well. We can stick it to universal studios and say, no, don't touch our shit. Final oh, cut. Wow. Baby. Wow. And yeah, so that's yeah. why I think this film was you know deified by critics as much as it was me personally i'm like yes it's pretty good yeah i sort of side with siskel and ebert on this one where they're kind of like it's good but like it's just distracted and there's just too much stuff going on for it to work and you know it 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 is it's 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 like a dream almost you know it's like it's like trying to describe a good story that occurred in a dream and you keep having to go down these side alleys being like and then you know and then finally i was able to like you know um uh finally i was able to find the girl and and we we you know we had we we kissed and we spent the night together and Mm. then i woke up and i went and saw my mother and it was actually her i was like what like and you're like hang on what like wait what what do you and and then it's like and then and then a brick man came out of a uh out of the floor Mm. um 
Yeah, yeah, my problem with the whole unfettered imagination thing is I tend to find that like as random as shit seems, there is an order if you like extrapolate and dissect it enough. Uh, and so that's why that's why I take issue with this film. Um, that and just some stuff didn't work for me. But anyway, hey, by the way, loaded cast. Like we mentioned, Jonathan Price, Robert De Niro. We've got yep. Ian Holm. He's back. Bob Hoskins. Oh, yeah, so good. Man, Bob Hoskins looking very much like looking very much like he was but playing Mario, which he which he eventually or previously did. I think like it was eventually. They, I think the yeah. production designer cites Brazil as like an inspiration for the production design of that movie. What? <laughs> hey, by the way, that that brings that brings me onto this interesting thing, which I was gonna like. I can bring up in piecemeal as we go through the plot, or just kind of Rick quickly now, which is that how much like did Brazil have long tendrils of inspiration in terms of what it affected? Because I, I cited at least a few things, and weirdly, all cartoons that I could oh. trace back to Brazil. So the first of which is Wallace and Gromit, because when we see um, Sam's kitchen, it is literally making the same noises and the same, <laughs> you know, breakfast machines that Wallace and Gromit have in their kitchen. The second was the badges that occur when Sam gets promoted and he gets put into the new department. And I was like, this is like Futurama. This is that episode of Futurama where they have to go to that bureaucratic um, oh, yeah. system with all the tubes and all the, all the, tubes and like stuff. that is, yeah, that yeah. is so Brazil. It's crazy. It's just mm. it's so taken from it. Even the shape of the, the badges, I think. And the last one was um, the Simpsons where huh. Homer says, um, it's my first day. And they laugh like crazy. And then Sam says that at some stage to, to Jill and she laughs in the truck. You Wait, think that gag specifically was maybe because I, because there's that also that other episode of The Simpsons where everyone has to wear a white shirt and Homer's in pink. That reminded oh, yeah, me a lot right. of this as well. Yeah, well, it's hard to tell you know where there's being parallel thinking or what have you. I guess, but yeah, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with the Futurama thing and the what was the, other, what was the other one you had? Wallace and Gromit. Fascinating, <laughs> fascinating to learn about how it was made. Um, how how long was the production? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I think filming wasn't, you know, aside from the regular problems Gilliam would, you know, butt up against, I don't think it was extremely protracted. It was a long one. Like, Mm. for instance, uh, if I remember this correctly, Robert De Niro was meant to film for about a week and they ended up filming for like three weeks or something like that. So there was, you know, there, there there were... problems they were having but i don't think it was like a very long one although that being said um sam uh sam not not sam but uh jonathan price the guy who played sam he would have been on set like every day like there's almost not a single scene without him in there in some form so he would have been like sweating by the end of this thing i think no i think it's i think it's I gotta see. So this is the problem. I can't even remember the start. There's too um, many. There's too many crazy uh, images hijinks. and stuff. It's all. It's all. It's all bland. Like I believe it's. Like, I believe it's. No, it can't be bottle being arrested. Oh, it's the TVs. Oh, it's, oh yeah, it right be, It's so the TVs sky, because clouds, um, TV blowing up. And then it's kind of similar to 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 Time Bandits in the way that t- Gilliam loves showing TVs in his films. Yeah. He does. He loves showing entertainment. Yeah, the, it kind of. I think he. Um, I think he's kind of putting forward this thing of like, well, entertainment and uh, pop culture 
shapes society in a way it's kind of like a way to communicate to the masses to kind of get them to believe certain things or do certain yep. things and he's like this film is going to show you that normal everyday consumer tv is bad and my movies are, <laughs> are are breaking free of that and i think they are in a lot of ways like um but yeah so he starts Indeed. like like time bandits he starts with a, a strange kind of uh tv ad and um mm. i think it explodes um because it's it, they, is, that, is that setting up the... is that setting up the terrorist attacks that consistently happen it does it does which mm. is never really properly answered no I don't know who's performing the terrorist attacks but again it's it's like 1984 it's like there's an invisible threat out there that you're meant to believe in um but whether or not it's real it's you know left to interpretation yeah Sorry if it feels like we've had a, a break in the episode, people. I took my jumper off, I knocked my mic over, and we uh, lost the recording. So, or not lost it, but we had to start again from now. These uh, things so, happen. Yeah. Well, to to us. Yeah, but we like yes. showing off the rough edges, you know. Podcasting isn't supposed to be, you know, all glitz and glamour, all cotton candy and. Oh my God, Tari! Gumdrops. Tari, Spiel, Spielberg's calling. Oh. He, Spil- uh, he hello, he- Spielberg. Yes. He said- <laughs> hey, boys. Uh, really great job. Uh, I want to thank I wanna you, Mister Spielberg. Up. Uh, uh, you, you guys haven't had any uh, any goofs, any 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 stuff ups for recording wise. Uh, just just making sure. I want it to be a professional outfit. You know. No, no, not not at all, Mister Spielberg. We and just uh, big just to be sure. I I, oh. I I will know if you're lying to me. I have ET oh. right here. He can tell if people are lying. <laughs> <clears throat> it is real. Yeah, I, I thought he was a, a puppet. I, what was that, boy? <laughs> um, Here's a boy, fun Steven. story. Here's yeah. a fun story. Did you know? Did you know? Uh, Steven Spielberg suggested or sort of advised that they don't include behind-the-scenes footage uh, of them making ET, the actual puppet. Have you heard about this? No. Yeah. Apparently, he was like, "The this movie works if children believe ET is real." And as soon as we start like lifting up the curtain and sort of, you know, revealing who the Wizard of Oz is behind the curtain, so to speak, it E.T. loses all of its magic. That's great. Yeah. That's have I told you I think have I told you the Mrs. Doubtfire story? Uh yes you have. Maybe on this pod as well, actually. Yeah, okay, I won't do it because of that then. (laughs) But maybe not. I can't remember. We've done like sixteen of these things. No, you know why I'm thinking I have is, uh, or maybe hadn't is because I just listened to the Con Air episode where I bring up Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> <laughs> but I bring her up because it's, I it's wanted to see her in The Rock. No, not Con Air, sorry, The Rock. <laughs> oh, God, I'm all over the place. I'm, I'm all crossed up. <laughs> so Brazil starts, we're into this weird world, and someone like a, a clerk or an administrator is doing some 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 filing, some administration, mm. and a bug falls into a teleprinter and it causes a misprint, yep. um, which is a copy of an arrest warrant. Uh, and this leads to the arrest and eventual death um, of a, a, a cobbler. Is he a cobbler? Yeah. Archibald Buttle. Doesn't he's a, he's a, he doesn't matter what he does really. So yeah, really. He's, he's, a, a, he's, a, he's a, guy. a kind shoemaker with a family, and it's Christmas, yeah. and he gets he gets home invaded and abducted in a very scary scene, <laughs> which would just like ruin all of the people's lives who were in that room in terms of like them yeah. just being scarred. But like he's he gets taken in a way that is like immediate, like immediate. I don't know, gagging. What would you call it? Like like straight jacketing. Like sacked. he just gets bad. Yeah, he gets basically gets sacked. 
uh, not in an NFL sense. He just gets sacked like he, he gets like put in a bag and taken. Or in away. an employment sense, either. He's yeah. Yeah. Um, and he, what, 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 what's happened is, is as much as people throughout the film are not willing to admit it is that there's been a mistake in the system and it should have been terrorist Archibald Tuttle, not Archibald Buttle, who was arrested, yes. but this has happened. And, um, yeah, Jill Layton, who is kind of the love interest is Buttle's neighbor and she sees and hears the arrest take place. Mm. Um, and how does Sam come into this? He's, he's, uh, he's, he's kind of not connected in that way yet. He's more He's, we meet him through his dreams that he's having. Yes, this, I think the first time we see or meet um, Sam is in a dream sequence. Uh, flying through I'm, the air, looking like David Bowie. Yeah, so he's late for work. That's right. He's late for work and he's having a dream. Oddly enough, yeah. he dreams about this Jill lady. She he, she is literally kind the of. woman of his dreams. Kind of. Is kind it of? her? That's her. I mean, it's the is same it the actress. same actress? Yeah, he even says as much later on. He's like, "It's the he yes, it's says the it's actress. the same act." He says it's the <laughs> same <laughs> actress. What do you mean he says it's the same he actress? Say it's, he says the same person. Like when he finally meets, I her, know says, that, but it doesn't look like it. You. She doesn't look like the same person. What? It's because she's wearing a wig. Is that all? <laughs> do you not think they're the same person? I thought that the blonde woman was the was the mother with all of the de aged makeup taken. What? No, so that's where the film gets confused, I think, and would have been more interesting, I guess. Is it actually the weird... same woman? Is Jill the yeah. same woman as the blonde in the dream? I don't yes. think she is, Tari. Are you? Are you <laughs> I'm pretty sure she's not. Well, <laughs> I've done no research to back this up, but I'm going to go hard and say it's so. A you don't woman. think you don't? So wait, are you saying that mm. the woman he sees in his dreams? Yes. Is are you, what? What are you saying? You're saying it's his mother de-aged. Or are you saying it's completely strange, like different woman? What do you, what do you, what is I'm your saying theory? that I don't, I'm saying that I don't, I didn't think it was the woman who he eventually finds and falls in love with. Like I can, I know that he thinks they're the same woman, but I yeah. was under the impression that they were a different actress. I, <laughs> because, because, because when she wakes up in the bed after they sleep together that night. Yeah. I was like, oh, oh no, I'm looking at it right. It's her. It's her. I'm it? looking, I'm looking at her right now. I can tell you with some degree of certainty that that is her. It is the actress, Catherine. Nope. Kim Greist. Greased. She's greased. That's her. <laughs> She's great. She's greased. Uh, okay. Somehow <laughs> okay. I still don't believe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've uncovered a, you've uncovered no. something interesting, though. Is later on, yes. So we we thought we we eventually meet Sam's mother, who is obsessed with de aging and getting cosmetic surgery to look as young as possible. And eventually, yeah. she looks completely identical to um, Jill in a potential in a in a probably a dream sequence, but she essentially looks exactly like her. Um, and Jill, even in one scene, wears a wig of Sam's mother's when they go to her house together and there is this strange you know oedipus rex complex thing happening here um that that i was i wasn't quite sure what it was driving at but it's an interesting thing that comes up in the movie it's definitely there i don't know how you feel about all that feel about what sorry i was looking up kim (laughs) grise kim greased (laughs) what did you say i'm so sorry i'm all greased up i'm all greased up no, I just got distracted because I'm seeing here that, that Gilliam was reportedly dissatisfied with Greece's performance, <laughs> chose to cut 
or edit some of her scenes as a result and was actually considering people like Jamie Lee Curtis and, and, uh, and Madonna. Madonna. Jesus. That would have been a completely different film. God damn. Jamie Lee it's, Curtis. Yeah. Though. I could definitely see Jamie Lee Curtis here. Yeah, Academy for Award. sure. Um, well, there you go. What do you think of the sort of subtle Oedipus thing that, that sort of comes up by the end? Well, of the film? I didn't, I didn't get it, and also didn't get the reason why Jill and Sam actually like their relationship becomes physical at all. Like that didn't yeah. feel earned at all. In no, terms it of, wasn't landing. No, like because Jill was rad. She was some kind of. She was almost like a Ripley esque character. Yeah, she was her own own person doing her own thing, and Sam was a bumbling idiot. And then somehow, like, the, so the the well, like, out of context, but the 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 um, just to give a little bit of explanation as to the time between when they see each other last to then when they actually see each other again and and they fall in love or you know they mm. have sex or whatever. It's like she disappears after like an explosion, and he's really worried, but she's finally kind of gotten rid of him, and he's kind of acted cowardly in that moment. Mm. So then the next time they see each other for that to happen, I was like, wait, what? And then that's when I thought, okay, this is because he, Gilliam's going to say, hey, it's, you've actually just slept with your mum accidentally or something. I didn't really get why I was that kind happen, of, but yeah. Because I had heard it was a darker ending. I was kind of hoping in, in my own twisted, sick, sick way that that's where the film was heading. I was like, this could be interesting if that's where it goes. And I was like, oh, no, it doesn't. No, it's a shame. Well, it's not a shame, yeah, yeah. but, you know. Um, yeah, to your point, I feel like I couldn't help but feel as if the actors, um, despite how well they played each of their roles, didn't know the scene that came prior in the story to the one that they were filming on the day, if that makes sense. Because the emotional the emotional yeah. continuity seemed off. Like one minute, uh, like Sam and Jill say, would be like head over heels for each other. The next minute, they're sort of like um at each other's like throats basically going going uh getting mad at each other um and i was like mm. is it is this one of those things where it's like there's just so much going on in the production where the actors can't keep up with how they were behaving in the in the scene just previously or was it one of those things where it's like okay we haven't shot the scene previously it hasn't even been written yet i don't know what i was doing in the last scene but i'm gonna act this way now and then that completely contradicts itself when they eventually film the subsequent or um yes you know, the, the prior or next scene basically that's what it felt like yes. to me and again that sort yeah, of no, speaks to terry fair. gilliam's you know chaoticness if that makes it sense. is chaotic for sure yeah. um speaking of chaotic is is sam's office when he goes into the into the kind of bowels of this huge building of like this yeah. government building mm-hmm. Um, it's funny because it, the, in this movie that is so focused on, I guess, government or like, um, systems of infrastructure and like, it never has like, you would imagine like as Sam's driving along or like going along in these weird public transport systems, like you'd hear like, a you, he, you, you hear a lot of, it's kind of like Wally where you hear a lot of like, by and large, like the kind of the, the central intelligence or whatever it's called, mm-hmm. but you never see that represented by like a figurehead it's never like a i mean there's a guy in the wheelchair who's kind of like i think maybe the big boss but it's never mm. like a president it's not like a dictator it doesn't fe- it feels like a it's missing a big brother a, yeah. um dictatorship or like yeah yeah like a faceless one i guess yeah. um big brother's yeah. a good way of putting it yeah yeah 
Yeah, now this film has a lot of parallels with that, uh, with 1984. Uh, it was actually the, the yes, title yeah. of the film at one point was 1984 and a half, um, <laughs> which is like a nod to, yeah, Orwell's book and then also um, Eight and a Half by Fellini because oh, right. Gillian yeah. loves that movie. So he was like, eh, yeah. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, two disparate things, just smush them together, see if it works. It doesn't. Uh, in this case, uh, no, <laughs> not I, for I, these, not for these two guys, uh, not yeah. for these two guys. Forty years later, um, yes, no, but I think uh, I, going back a page to the whole mother Jill dream thing, um, I think maybe it's the reason that Sam's mom looks so much like Jill as a way of explaining right. why because yeah. that, Sam's that's why having dreams confused. of. Jill, because it's like, well, you could understand. He's maybe like seeing this person, Jill, in real life, and thinking, "Oh, this is the woman, woman from my dreams." Yeah, and I guess in some, you know, sick Freudian way, you know what they say: like people are always sort of like seeking out their their um, parents in a in a romantic partner. So maybe it's speaking to that. Right. That's I why I got confused. I think is because um, in the scene uh, towards the end, when he sees his mother who has gone through all the plastic surgery and looks really young, I guess mm. that's played by Christ, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. So that's where but I it's got voiced confused. by it's voiced, but it's voiced by. Okay. So that's yeah. where I got Mick. That's, that's where I got all oh, crossed. Cause I was like, <laughs> cause I was like, wait, wow. So this is like a, uh, back to the future scenario where the, the old people are actually young people like greased up. Um, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, so that's where the that's where the lines got got crossed, I think. But um, oh. yeah, okay. So yes, yeah, so there's the Tuttle Bottle uh, Switcheroo. Yes, the wrong man's arrested and eventually killed. This this um, is a it's a world that is kind of in order and all kind of um, organized, but there are constant terrorist attacks. Yeah, um, and Sam is very happy in his position as kind of a what where would he's like records or something? He's like he's where is something he placed like at the that. Start? Something I can't like remember. That. I can't remember the name of his department. Um, it's a very it's a very neutral, almost kind of like um, it's not it's very, it's a it's not a reactionary yeah. department in a sense. It's like they're 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 not going out and doing things. They're they're mm-hmm. just sitting in their offices putting files into into things. And he's there. Mm-hmm. He feels I think he feels pretty comfortable and powerful in that position because his boss is kind of a a, a um his boss uh, what's his name Mr. Kurtzman is is very yeah. like um, played by Ian Holm. Ian Holm, yeah. Right. He he doesn't really know what he's doing. Sam is kind of a whiz at, at this kind of stuff and he enjoys the yeah. power that he feels there. So he's happy to be to be sticking yeah. around, but yeah. he's been offered a promotion because his mother is in a position of like kind of social um power and she can kind of influence these things, but he doesn't want to take it. He's refusing yeah. he's refusing the call to action, Tyree. Yeah. Oh my god. This film, you know, five stars. You know what? Five stars from five stars, two thumbs up from these two guys. <laughs> yeah, he likes to just keep his head down. He doesn't want any more responsibility. He doesn't want to engage with the system. Any, I guess that's one way you could put it: is he doesn't want to engage any more with the system than he already kind of is. He'd much rather just give himself more time to dream. Mm. Um, yeah, at some point on his way to work, and this is again with a chronology, just gets a bit mucked up for me, but because I, I, I can't quite remember it fully, but. I think after that scene, maybe there's another dream sequence or maybe he goes out to dinner or something like that. He, on his way to work, he runs into his friend, Jacqueline, played by Michael Palin, um, a Monty Python alumni, um, runs into him. Yeah. He's from Information Retrieval. And he sort of encourages him to take the promotion, get into uh, the Ministry of Information with him. Um, and, and, and Sam's like, yeah, no. But while he's there, he sees uh, Jill... Layton on the 
security monitor and she's there in, in the in the building to sort of make a complaint about Buttle's arrest. Um, and that's where the sort of um, that's where the sort of romance story starts to build. And the this romance, is actually the conspiracy, the mystery, you yes, know, and, it all and, sort and of the, the quest to here. find the right form to yes. fill out. This is now, this is like, this is one of the bits uh, I had issue with, and I wish I had a more concise way of explaining it, but um, one of the reasons this movie didn't work for me is, okay, so here's the scene. Uh, Sam's there. He's talking to Jack about whatever, and he looks behind Jack and there's all these security monitors. And on the monitor is Jill, a close-up of her face and mm. Sam sees her and he's like, Oh my God, it's the woman from my dreams. And he's, he's distracted by, he's just trying to focus on that. And he's trying to get Jack out of the way. And then it's too late. She's gone. He doesn't get to see her and whatever. And then he moves on. Right. Um, this is a classic, like love at first sight scene. It happens all the time in movies. Um, and it's something that like a bit of a tangent here, but it's something that like David Lynch, for example, is really good um, at executing. If you watch Mulholland Drive, for instance, as a good example of this, mm. you get two characters, they lock eyes with each other, music swells up, you sort of dolly in on their faces, and you just sort of like, for whatever reason, you just know, okay, they're in love. I get, there's a connection. That's what the movie's telling me. That's what those, that's what the combination of these two images with this music means. It means they're in love. But it's just not pulled off entirely right here for whatever reason. There's like, there's not enough time on either sam or jill's face for us to go okay i get it they're in love uh, they're and they're, they're like they're deeply in love or like you know sam is deeply in love with her yeah Instead i don't get anything like, i don't think he's trying to set up that jill likes him at all in that opening. well no i i misspoke there that, no 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 it's but i agree it, i agree it, if it more feels and it it more feels like um very boyish you know in a kind of weird and and like i don't know um silly way where it's like he's like oh my god a girl, like he's, you know, he's living in this really. Well, he does hang out with his mum a lot. Yeah, so... yeah, and that that poor girl with the mouthpiece with the braces oh, yeah, who God. they're trying to set him up with the whole yeah, time. Yeah, God. She had one of my favorite bits of the whole thing where she he knocks her knee and she like does that thing with her face where she's like, oh no, it's it's fine, and then she looks away and she's like, oh, she's like so like <laughs> so so upset by his like uh... clumsiness. <laughs> I didn't even notice. That's great. Uh, I fell asleep by that point. No, I, 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 I didn't. I didn't. Um, I guess we should also mention, I mean, if you're sick now, I watched this when I was like deep into the sickness. Oh no. So I'm kind of like, I'm sort of coming out of it now. I'm still a bit, still a bit hanging on to me a bit, but oh, I watched it and I was like deeply ill. Oh. So maybe that's another reason why I was kind of like, Ugh. yeah, maybe like I'd be like, I'd put on a jumper cause I was freezing cold. Then I'll just like you know, just sweat until I was drenched. And I'm like, oh, it's, but it's also, hot. it's not a oh. nice, it's not a nice world to exist in because it's very claustrophobic. It's very inhuman. Like the characters in it are not um, connecting to one another mm. in a real way there. And very purposely, yeah. it's very well made in the sense that um, the, the world feels like dystopic and real and upsetting. And so I think yeah. that's why when Jill comes into the movie more for me at least and also when any scene with de niro yeah um it you you want them to hang around because they're a breath mm. of fresh air they're if they're, they're not they're not terrified all the time or they're not mm. being suppressed or they're not doing the suppressing mm. um mm. you know because palin is kind of like incredible in this thing um with how cold and calculating and like matter of fact he can be but also like kind of hiding that through a, a guise of like being friendly and like 
you know, get yourself a new suit, sir. I don't know. So, so it's a, it's a hard watch because it's um, yeah. like I said, and, and that's why I think as well when um, obviously, so Jack sees Sam sees, sorry, um, uh, Jill, this woman. Jill. And so he, he does his best to find out who she is. Um, mm. am I, am, am I jumping? Oh no. She, so he gets, they get delivered the check um at the, at the in their offices that he then <laughs> to take where his his wife um and whose wife what the hell are you talking about what hey slow down you crazy asshole who whose podcast is this what's going on uh, no, he, they get delivered the check uh for the death of buttle or tuttle or whatever the shoemaker's yes. name was yes in this, and so in this crazy in this crazy well yeah let's just say in this crazy society you're sort of like charged for being interrogated by the police. Mm. It's one of those, it's one of the terrible realities about this place is like this man, Buttle was tortured and killed by the police. And so his family has to foot the bill for all the man hours I was put into that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, for some reason, I don't know why, but Sam volunteers to take that check to um, Buttle's wi- widow. And I don't know why he was so keen to do that. Um, but yeah, I guess um, the story wouldn't happen unless he did it. <laughs> so yeah, that's true. Actually, I thought he went because he thought the woman was there. No, he goes there because I think he's just he's good at so. tidying things up in his job or something. I don't something know something like that. Yeah, he goes there. Know. It's he. It's not as easy as he thinks. And the woman gives a great performance of being so ensconced and so outraged by what's happened to her husband, and yeah. she just keeps screaming, "What happened to his body? What happened to his body?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh man, it's so bleak and sad. So he, he actually goes out to dinner first with his, his with his mum and her friend and this sort of suitor they've mm. got for him. Terrorist bombing happens there at the restaurant. Uh, we also have the, the plastic surgery scene prior to that. Then after that, yeah. I think there's another dream sequence. They shrug then, off the explosion. Yeah, they shrug off the explosion because they just want to get into their meal. Um, and then that night, Sam's air conditioning breaks. And that's when we meet De Niro. Yes. Yes, and so De Niro the, is Archibald Tuttle, the the man that uh, the ministry was initially after before the mix-up, and they want him because he's a freelance repairman. He's sort of like he's dressed in this sort of like military. He's sort of like a special ops guy, yeah. and he jumps into people's houses, fixes their problems, and then zips off with this crazy zipline thing. Yeah, it's kind of funny that he's a, he's considered a terrorist, and really he's just like a repairman who does who works outside of the regulatory. Uh, you know, form obsessed mm. Um, mm. governing body. Yeah, yeah. Actually, this is funny. One of the um, execs in this documentary, he is describing the whole scenario and he's saying, yeah, a lot of people, actually, I think it was Sid Sheinberg specifically um, who had the most problems with Terry. He was like, yeah, a lot of people, they sort of see Sam Lowry. They sort of cast Terry Gilliam as Sam Lowry and they sort of cast Universal Studios as the ministry and the evil government. He's like, you know, but in, in, my, in my opinion, from where I'm sitting from, uh, Terry Gilliam's the terrorist, sort of going around wreaking havoc for better or worse. <laughs> Which, you know, I kind of, yeah, I don't know. I kind of agree with in a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah a little bit. Um, but yeah, and I, I will say this, this is probably my favorite sections of the film uh, with yeah, De Niro and this whole Oh, for sure. Movie. For sure. And even with Bob Hoskins, like I thought that was great when he comes in and uh, Sam has to like stall for time to get um bob out of there we can talk about it when it comes up but potentially the worst on-screen death the that someone has had uh (laughs) maybe like i don't know about most painful but like maybe the worst way to go maybe i don't know certainly what happens they get like pumped with shit 
Until yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Although I don't know uh, if they actually die. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they did either. I think they just like get splattered with it, basically. Yeah, yeah. And I love, uh, yeah. I love. It was almost as if Jonathan Price was reacting after having not been told that that was going to happen to those two actors, where he's like, oh, Jesus, oh, no, oh, shit, oh, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know. I'd kind of be like, my flat. You've gotten shit all over my flat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, what a mess. Oh, sorry, yeah. I kind of peaked the mic there. No, no. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree with what you say. Um, oh, okay. Jesus Christ, what happens next? So, like, yeah, the Tuttle ziplines out of there. He would definitely die from that zipline maneuver as well, by the way. That was so steep. The next day, he goes to meet Kurtzman, and then he gets that that check that the bottles need to pay, and he decides to take it to them and um, uh, get them to pay it directly. While he's there, he runs into Jill. Yes, yes. And so then he's like, sweet, it's Jill again. I got to chase after her. She gets into a truck, drives away. He tries to chase her, but his car is vandalized by some random kids. Some punk ass <laughs> kids. Some random kids. Yeah, what does he do like, from there after his car's burnt out? Why, why does he try and get into his car when it's like a burnt out husk? Like he knows that thing ain't right. Well, he's an idiot. He's a dum-dum. You stupid ass. Well, this is the thing. This is where the plot side of like stumbles over itself, where it's like they don't take a direct bit of action after that. And that may have been because there were cuts, like stuff they didn't film that would have filled in the gaps or they rearranged mm-hmm. a thing here or there. Um, but from what I have here, it seems like he goes back to his house and has been vandalized completely by Bob Hoskins and his other repairman partner, mm. sort of these government repairmen. And they've like completely destroyed his flat this time. It's like all the wires are hanging out, there's pipes everywhere. Um, and that's sort of their revenge because he didn't like get he didn't let them repair his air conditioning the first time around. Um, I think he falls asleep. Dream sequence. Wakes up. Gets the invitation to go to the party. His mum's party. Ah, yes, yes. And then that's when he meets and Mr. Then, Helpman. And, then... and now this is important because yes, and begs, previously, for, begs for the promotion again. Yes, he he was given this promotion uh, which he needs in order to find out more about Jill. She's her files classified or whatever and he needs a promotion to get access to it so he's like he goes to this party meets up with mr helpman who played the troll thingy on the ship in time bandits oh okay and that his mum played the troll's wife oh yeah of course she did yeah um yeah begs for the the promotion again and and gets it bada bing bada boom and I love the scene that he goes to the he goes to information retrieval the next day, and uh, he he sees the the kind of um, doorman or the guy at the desk. Yep. And he's like, um, "Do you want to like t- check my ID? You want to like you know scan me or anything mm. like that?" And he's just like, "No, no, good, go ahead. Elevators here." And he's like, "But I I could be anybody." He's like, "No, you couldn't, sir. <laughs> this is information <laughs> retrieval." <laughs> Yeah, it's gold. I mean, this is some of the funnier bits, but I mean, this is probably midway through the movie at this point, and I was kind of starting to get worn down. So yeah, any bits that was... would have been funny, I was kind of like already 
sort of unresponsive to. I, I think that's a good way to put it. Cause yeah, there was some, but there was some bits in this that I laughed at and I was, you know, I think the first kind of 20 minutes I was, I was, I was like, oh, yeah, I am in. And then it kind of slowly lo- lost me over the, over the course of just, I think it's pacing and it's, yep. it's like you said, it's distractedness, but, um, I, I did love the um the you know he goes in and 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 goes and sees his this kind of always moving pack of kind of businessmen or I don't know what mm. you call them um gets pencil his pushers. office yeah pencil pushers gets his office which is kind of divided haphazardly between mm. him and another person who keeps trying to steal his desk yeah yes um, yes and then he has a dream sequence where he I think is this the dream sequence where the samurai first shows up and then the brick face man like grabs his leg and tries to pull him back from flying away so no and he's I like, think that don't I... leave Sam. <laughs> don't leave <laughs> no he goes I was like I, I want to if I could if like... I could be one character in any film ever I think I'd be that just so that I and that 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 alone Jesus. just like just, just, to, just as a, and you could show, I could have like a, a my picture on my IMDb would just be that. <laughs> so that's Ian Holm who plays the weird brick face man. Oh, but I okay, think that, that would sense. be, that would be just before he goes to the party, I suspect, because Kurtzman doesn't want him to take the promotion, right? So, mm. but yeah, I love that bit because yeah, he's like, don't go, please, please. <laughs> Does Ian Holm play Bilbo? Yeah, it's Bilbo Baggins. Ah, okay. I just connected uh, that. Cool. Really? Cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm of the so uh, I'm of the persuasion that knows Ian Holm as uh, as Skinner. the guy from Ratatouille. <laughs> Skinner. We already did this bit. Why Skinner? By the way, Skinner's. I don't know. Like that's that's the that's the that's the that's the half star away from Ratatouille. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, near perfect film. Just wish that guy's name was a little different. Uh, who am I kidding? Doesn't five sound stars. French. Oh, no, it doesn't sound uh, French gross. at all. That's why I don't get it. That's five stars too many. Oh. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, man. Uh, my partner's in the other room, and I bet she's looking at this room right now going, what the fuck's what going the on? What the hell's going on in there? <laughs> Sorry, but you're... <laughs> it broke the mic in such a way that it sounded like your entire house just blew up. <laughs> I thought I'd lost you for good. Well, my head nearly blew up after that scathing review of oh. Wallace's film. Ugh. Is there a rat trilogy we could do? Oh, fuck off with you and the trilogies. We could. Why not? Well, I don't know. Maybe maybe Harry Potter 3 is a big rat Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Not in the title, I guess. <laughs> Harry though. Potter, Harry Potter, and the and the big rat. <laughs> <laughs> Ratatouille. Um. All right, I'll keep thinking. You, yeah, I don't think there's. I mean, there's not too many rat films. The Great Mouse Detective. Okay, that's a, that's a good. Yeah, okay, yeah. There'd be lots of Disney stuff, actually. Uh, never mind. Uh, yeah, there, there, there's there's some stuff too. I think the bear let one. Me, for let sure. me workshop this one a little bit. I'll I'll get back to you. What was the bear one that we came up with? No, 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 no. You came up with. <laughs> I begrudgingly <laughs> said, "Yeah, okay, we can do it if you can I like said... somehow prove it's a trilogy." <laughs> and like, yeah. considering there's like maybe I don't know, eight hundred bear movies. <laughs> By the ever. way, not an exaggeration, folks. I sent Tari this trilogy because I heard of this movie uh, called the the um. The country bears, because I'm obsessed with any kind of animatronic animal in a movie, like where someone has to wear a suit and be an animal. I think that's great. Partly because I don't like the idea of animals being like mistreated on a set. Secondly, because I like the idea of a human being a bear 
uh, and being the, like the kind of deadness in the eyes, the, 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 you know, and like the gaping like mouth of like, like that kind of thing. So I sent him a trilogy of Paddington, Brother Bear and the Country Bears. And he said um, verbatim, okay, but you have to explain why these bear movies are a part of the bear trilogy as opposed to every other bear movie. And I was like, there aren't that many bear movies. So I had a look on Letterboxd, just typed in bear. And uh, yeah, there's like a thousand of these things. It's pretty wild. Um, so I, we, we've, 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 we've now trimmed it down to three options, oh. which are movies where people dress up as bears, which is at the moment is looking like uh, country bears, Brigsby Bear, which is oh, is God. apparently pretty good, and then um, the Avengers from 1998, um, because there's a scene where heaps of people are dressed in teddy bears, including Sean Connery, by the way. So I feel like that's a good way to bring him back into the fold. <laughs> anyway, this might not happen at all, and if it does, it might not happen for years because of our how we're oh. tied to this wheel. But anyway, yeah, get, it's when we let's when we write in and write in yeah. and tell Tyree that you want him to add these things to the list. <laughs> Here's his personal address and all his social media sites, so you can. What did you really actually legitimately him? think of of the 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 cap the Tom Hanks one's good? I think you'd pitched me that one before. Yeah, Captain Hanks. Captain Hanks was it Sully, Captain Phillips, and like Greyhound or something? Yeah, he's he's a captain. Yeah, all I mean, it'd be a good opportunity to talk about Tom Hanks. So it's, sure, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, if you get me a trilogy where I can talk about a subject I'm interested in that isn't just bears. Like Be- people in bears is the thing. People, people in bears. Okay, <laughs> hey, now that's the tagline that's sort is, of interesting. is actors and much, much less. That can be. That, that's, it's it's <laughs> written into the contract fun. of this show. You <laughs> asshole, you, you dumb old bear. <laughs> All anyway, right, fine. We've only I got like. That... Yeah. No, I, I look. We can do the bears costume one. Yes. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Ugh, good God. Ah, oh, so anyway, yeah, so so Sam, back to, back to Brazil. Sam is in the Ministry of Information now. He has access to computer. He gets up Jill's file. He talks to Michael Palin again, you know, Jack, his friend, um, gets a mm-hmm. new suit from him. I, it's one of those weird things where I, I can't quite remember, you know, the importance of all these scenes, like what crucial well, information Well, I can gets. talk to this one particularly because okay. the scene, that scene with Jack, um, that like we realize we learn that Jack's job is to like torture people. Yeah, so information. So Jack comes into his office in like a surgeon's is, gown yeah. and like starts to like But we didn't know that necessarily. No, 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 we didn't. We didn't at all. We no, didn't well so. we knew we knew that informa- we knew that this was a bad system and that, that definitely we knew that uh people were being killed and being misplaced and whatever, but like mm. we didn't know that Jack at was, was one of the guys because he literally walks into his office with like yeah. surgeon scrubs and starts to like weep and also his like three year old daughter is in the corner playing. Yeah. And that whole scene Terry was one Gilliam's of my daughter. just in terms of how strange it was. Oh really? Yeah. I don't know why she well, asked to see Sam's like dick. That was weird. The daughter at the end when Jack leaves and, and begrudgingly gives Sam the file on Jill so that he can go and find her mm. is uh, the little girl stands up on the desk and is like, take your clothes off so I can see you, Willie. But yeah. she says it in a very kind of childish kid voice that is yeah, hard to understand. you hit the nail on the head. That sounded exactly like it. This that is was the thing my, that... That was, my, that was my speaking voice. What are you talking about? This is, a, <laughs> this is, this is an affectation, if anything. <laughs> Well, there you go. Oh, yeah. Um, this is one of those scenes where I'm like, okay, we do learn some stuff, but also it's not crucial that he gets information on Jill here because as soon as he steps out of the office, she's just there. Yeah, she's there. Anyway. 
he 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 uh, he gives chase after alerting some guards to like because yeah. he, he's on a, in a different suit so he doesn't have his license so he, yes. a bunch of trouble happens in the ministry i guess you could call it yep. he finds jill they get into a big truck and i love the scene because this is where like you know she kind of baits him into thinking that like oh maybe this girl likes me like this yeah. is fun and um i think jonathan price is great in this by the way he's he's yep. um really good and anyway so she tells him to lean back so that she can take a proper look at him mm. and he she kicks him out of the truck and then in the next shot she has an immediate cigarette in her mouth oh, wow. like, it, i just love that cut for some reason <laughs> just like just kicks him out and then the next next shot like which is a continuation she's just got a, a cigarette already in her mouth after kicking someone out of her truck yeah um, sort of like but failing because he, he climbs back in yes and this is another bit where i'm kind of like the, the fact that sam gets so flustered and is so afraid of her getting arrested for some reason I wasn't like engaged with because mm. I was kind of like the, the police didn't seem to care until he made a big fuss. And I feel like they would have been fine if he had just kind of like shut up for us <laughs> for a second. So this mm-hmm. whole chase scene that kind of ensues afterwards, I was kind of like, what what's going on here? I'm, I'm a bit confused. Yeah. Yeah. I never felt like Jill was ever really at threat of getting caught, which is crazy because you're meant to, sense that the entire time because it keeps mm. on happening to all these other people in this i world. was excited yeah. when when he got into the truck with her and they started driving away because i was like cool now we're gonna get some context for the revolution or like some context for like what yeah. he, she and tuttle buttle whatever are doing mm. and we didn't we got none of that mm. and so in in she was originally a refreshing addition to the film because she felt like someone who was like existing outside of the weird reality that we were in so Mm. she was going to give like a nice kind of context for it all and uh bring him aboard Mm. but she didn't instead their scenes kind of diverged or like kind of became a very like temple of dooney kind of like yelling match screaming matches they Mm. were they were never they were very kind of irritating to watch i felt and then it transitions into like them falling in love which i was like how where yeah i really didn't buy her falling for him yeah, I, uh, I wrote my note was um, in this order. My note was because um, they go into a mall, and in the whole th- in in this scene when they've then when they've driven away from the ministry in the truck, we Sam thinks that she's got a bomb yeah. um, because yes. she thinks she's a terrorist, and they walk into a Christmas or like a mall, and it's very like literally a, a band walks past, and it's got a banner that says "Consumers for Christ." Um, <sighs> Santa says to her. A child, what would you like for Christmas, little girl? And she's like, and my own credit card. And we're like, we get it, Gilliam. You don't like consumer <laughs> consumers, and God, oh, um, God. yeah. But yeah. Uh, so, yeah, th- that's the thing. This it f- felt like it was uh, beating the ideas over over your yeah. head a little bit. Um, I mean, you've got my out. notes there, but as far as this plot segment goes, I've just written truck dot dot truck truck exactly so then there's an explosion she thinks he thinks that it was her she gets offended by this and then he gets taken away by the ministry but like does he because he because then he he is because he gets he gets he's put into the truck yeah but then then gets knocked out again yes but then he wakes up with jack and then we have that scene where jack's like no longer on his side anymore he's like we've been quite close haven't we sam yes yes well yes. how about we just keep our distance until this whole thing blows over well, she's disappeared uh no, no, he's been you. arrested he wakes up he's with jack he says goodbye jack no longer trusts him and then it's like oh well i guess i'll go home so again the plot sort of peters out again and so he goes home yeah and where... then she's just there with de niro 
Yes. Yeah. Well, the two repairmen, um, we talked about this earlier, the two repairmen, the Bob Hoskins guy and the other guy, they've turned his apartment into a freezer basically. And they're wearing these sort of like <laughs> breathing suits, which are plugged into like this the piping or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, Robert De Niro shows up as Tuttle and he saves the day by diverting sewage into their sort of breathing apparatuses, um, which fills their suits with poo. And then their suits blow <laughs> up. And that's when he's like, oh, God, no. Oh, oh shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you naughty dog. Oh, oh God. <laughs> yeah. And then it's t- – and then um, he should be called Zipple, by the way, because then he, like, jumps off the off the <laughs> the balcony and zips at, like, yeah. I want to say a 170-degree angle, like, downwards. Like, he's, oh, yeah. like, he flies down, like, vertically. Yeah. And then like disappears into a into a, a window or something. Yeah. And then that's when uh Jill shows up. Jill shows up. Inexplicably she knows where he lives. Yeah, inexplicably that and then they go to the mother's place, they have they sex. They hide out there, they get it on. Well, well no, they don't originally really, he goes they, they want to, but instead he's like, Stay here. I'm which I think was a bad decision. I think it would have been more interesting to have them together yeah. on things. Yeah. But he's like, Stay here, I'm gonna fix everything. And then he goes to Mr. Heltman's office over at the ministry of information where he gets access to his computer and then deletes her file or like mm. writes deceased in her file mm. so that mm. the ministry no longer thinks she's alive. And then he tries to make it sound like she, like when they find them in the next morning after they, they, uh, she kind of becomes his vision in his dream in that mm. white dress and the flowing mm. things. And they wake up together and the ministry bursts in much like very reminiscent of the first scene where mm. we saw them take the, the cobbler and he like covers her in the sheets and he's like, no, 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 she's, she's dead. She's dead. Like, you know, just like, <laughs> but they don't want her, do they? Do they want her or want him? No. So it's, it's a, it's a fake out. He thinks yeah. they're after her, but then he gets surprised when they take him away. Yeah. And she, we, she gets a very, I mean, it's not really spoiler because it's at this point, she gets mm. a very unceremonious bang, bang to the head. It seems it cuts to black, but we understand that she's been shot. Yes. Off screen death. Yeah. yeah. And then he, he, this is, this opens up into the kind of really terrifying, we get to see what the cobbler and what all the other criminals um, or like um, enemies of the state would have gone through in mm. these bags um, yep. being like, you know, interviewed by all these people and, you know, prodded and, you know, uh, put into this awful dentist chair of torture, mm. um, which you know turns out to the the, the guy who's going to be doing all the torture is Jack. Yes, his good friend Jack in that terrifying baby mask. Yeah. So this, I mean, we haven't really touched on the dreams that have been interspersed throughout the entire movie, but um, Sam has been seeing these weird giant baby doll mask masked creatures in his dreams. Very and, hunched. Uh, very. Very Gilliam, very yeah. like Hitchhiker's I mean, it, Guide. It all looks. I love all that stuff as well. Like I, it's one of those yeah. things where it's like when I see any of the images, still images of this movie, I'm like, man, this movie looks fucking sick. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I love this thing. Um, yeah. There's so much to love and marvel at, but um, yeah, taken as a whole, just doesn't quite work. But yeah, I guess he must have seen or heard of these masks somewhere, and that's how they're kind of infecting his dreams a little bit, um, because the torturers wear them for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why they'd wear them. Mm. Anyway, they're in this really cool, they're in a nuclear reactor or like a, a cooling, um, uh, they're in a cooling, what do you call it? A chimney? No. <laughs> you know, you know, nuclear power plants have those big. Oh, like a reactor. Yeah. So it's not the reactor. But it's like the massive like thing where all the smoke comes out of or whatever, all the steam comes out of or something. 
but um, mm. anyway, that's where they they managed to the get access to that. The production team, yeah, the production team got access to that, and they filmed inside there. So it's this awesome yeah, location. Yeah, wild. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, Jack commences torturing Sam when um he's shot in the head, and then De Niro sweeps in with his team of freelancers to save the day. How wild is it that, I mean, it's arguably whether it actually happens or not. I guess it doesn't. Maybe that's why you can excuse it. But how crazy is it how long Jack stays alive after getting that clean headshot? Oh, yeah. He's like, he's like, he's able to take his mask off and like stumble around. It's like, man, your brain is missing. (laughs) (laughs) Your brain is escaped, brother. It always, it confuses me how, it doesn't confuse me, but like. I mean, this is one of those like animal things where I'm just scared of death, I guess. But I'm always like, how quick does it take to die? Like, it it just it seems crazy that like, all right, if you sever this cable, it's just like lights go out. I feel like that the the death that Jack had would have been realistically would have been lights out. I guess um, so. But I mean, he definitely yeah. wouldn't have had the power to like take his mask off and then you know sort of collapse the way he did. No, definitely not. But no. anyway, it's neither here nor there. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. And then this um, kind of um, starts a huge sequence of, yeah, the, he gets rescued by this kind of terrorist group. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they blow they up go stuff. Through. They do, do a big Did you shootout. get, my theory was, and I don't know if it was obvious or meant to be thought of this, but I, when they blow up the big government building, I was like, oh, are all the presents they've been giving out the bombs? Because oh. that's why there's so many little mini explosions in the building. I was like, because otherwise, how would they have rigged it all with explosives? I was like, maybe it's. The, the no, weird... so this is one of those rare examples. Well, not rare examples. What am I saying? This is just one of those examples where I'm like, yeah, this is all dream now. Mm, yeah, right, right, like, right. And a lot of people say everyone's always, again, I, I kept on reading this in all these reviews where it's like, oh, reality and dream blend together. You don't know what's what. I'm like, no, you kind of do. It's pretty clear. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. I mean, when it's a dream, for the most part, Sam's got this crazy hairdo on. He's wearing this shiny armor. He's got wings. Right? <laughs> the only bit where it's it's a, maybe a bit ambiguous is this sequence because um, he's as himself escaping with all the freelancers, and there's this big shootout. Mm. Um, they manage to yeah blow up the Ministry of Information. They break free, and then yeah, inexplicably, uh, De Niro uh, calls De, Niro's... De Niro calls Rock, but paper beats Rock. Yeah, so he's just swarmed by all this paper. It turns into a paper man. Um, man reminded, me, reminded me of this H&R Block ad. Do you remember this ad? It was a tax time ad. <laughs> H&R Block are an accounting firm. And okay. they're like, take the paper out of your taxes. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And this guy yeah, would yeah, walk yeah. in covered in paper and this like, H&R Block lady would be like, let me get that for you. Takes, and he's like, episode, and he episode is hug. sponsored by H&R Block. HR Block. <laughs> Such a boring company name as well. HR Block. <laughs> um, anyway, Block. He's, he's swarmed by paper. Sam goes to save him, but when he like pulls all the paper off, uh, De Niro is gone. Yeah. He's vanished. Swallowed um, up by the bureaucracy. More crazy dream shit happens. I think the samurai shows up again. There's a really gross uh, jelly corpse. Oh, yeah. That's right. So, yes, he. this is when he goes... He, for some whatever reason, he goes to this funeral home, and um, his mum's friend, who's been getting like acid surgery performed on her, she sort of just melted and died. Mm. And he's at her funeral, and her mum has received so much plastic. His mum, sorry, has received so much plastic surgery now that she looks like Jill, and it terrifies him. Um, he sort of falls through a black hole, 
Everything goes dark for a little bit. It's kind of hard to explain, really. Uh, but then he wakes up, and he's in this weird house, and he looks at the window, and he's being towed by Jill in her truck. She's alive! Hooray! They drive off to Freedom, to Greener Pastures. They sort of build like a chicken run sort of community where it's like chill and, and <laughs> lovely uh, and everything's nice and they're in the country. And then uh, this is sort of where Sid Scheinberg was like, sweet. And then fade to black. That's the end of the film. Yeah. Happy ending. Yeah. Um, but Terry Gilliam's like, no, fuck that. We got a sort of record scratch. And then it is revealed that uh, Sam hasn't left the torture chamber. He's sort of just been lobotomized and is dead. Jack and Mr. Helpman, yeah. Helpman are like, I'm afraid he's too far gone. Yeah. And yes, sort of I'm afraid out. he is. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then Sam's just left there sort of humming Brazil. And I think, yeah, I don't think anything actually. No, no think. <laughs> You've been lobotomized yourself, brother. Yes, by this film. No, <laughs> no. no, not at all. Um <laughs> I think, I think it's fair to say that um, I think it's fair to say that 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 um, within the context of watching this film, within the context of this trilogy, um, I didn't know much going in, except for the fact that we watched um, uh, Don Quixote, um, and that had mm. felt like it dragged for me a few years yep. ago. Yeah. So I was didn't have didn't have huge. I was very interested to watch these films, but didn't have massive hopes or expectations for what I would think of any of them. And I think mm. Time Bandits for me came and hit me over the head with such a such like a nostalgic force and such a relevant force at the moment for what I'm trying to achieve with my own writing like kind of kids stories that are kind of a bit more mature and fun and wacky and whatever so it was such a delight to to kind of be surprised by that and I think that then the 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 left turn into this um you know it's an interesting way to to watch these films and I think I think the being compared to and 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 being uh, coming right after Time Bandits, weirdly enough, hurt this viewing for me as mm. well as the public or the pop cultural kind of discourse around the film, which is that it's his masterpiece, it's his best, mm. it's all this stuff. And so mm. I was set up to be like, wow, this film's going to rock. And then when it didn't, I was like, this film is worse than probably what it deserves to be in my brain maybe. I don't know. Mm. No, I yeah, I agree. Um, my kind of sort of takeaways are that yeah like i mentioned earlier i think the reason this film was deified as much as it was when it came out was because of its the publicity and the troubled release and the the movement the critics thought they were a part of um Mm. they sort of put it up on this mantle like it is the greatest thing ever and um now you i mean Anyone who's in the know, I guess, always sees images or posters of Brazil and goes, man, that film looks kind of interesting. I got, I got to watch it. Apparently it's amazing. Um, but I don't think, I think had it been released without all the trouble, it wouldn't have been, or I've made as big a splash. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I mean, maybe the eighties was a dry period for films as well. So <laughs> maybe it would have, I, I mean, <laughs> it's just my theory, but I think another reason why everyone loves this film. And I mean, well, I think one of the reasons everyone loves this film is because of the yeah the last half hour where it's this manic dream sequence and then this very dark, depressing ending where you think he's escaped the system finally, but it turns out he's really just sort of escaped into his own head and he's really just um, a lobotomized shell of a human mm. being. I think that image stayed with a lot of people. I mean, 
to Gilliam's credit, I think he was right to fight for that kind of ending because I think it, it definitely wouldn't, you know, it, it wouldn't hold a candle. I mean, it, it wouldn't work without it, basically. And I yeah, I agree. The, I mean, I even read reviews as such where it's like people were like, yeah, it was okay. I didn't really like it. But then the ending, oh, man, the ending had me hooked. And then the yep. entire film made sense because of it. For me, I'm like, yeah, the ending is good, but I could do without, you know, the the two hours that came before <laughs> before it, basically. Mm. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I do enjoy a lot of this movie. I enjoy a lot of the pieces to the puzzle. You know, I love all the dream sequences. I love all the creativity. I love the samurai warrior made of computer chips. Um, I love all the acting and Jonathan price and all that kind of stuff. But I love these things almost individually, but then taken as a whole, I'm kind of like, eh, I'm tired. Yeah. yeah. Sick. Yeah. <laughs> I go to bed. Terry, leave me alone. <laughs> Please, Terry. We get it. Reality well, sucks. Well, he will leave us alone after one last installment, which is uh, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Munchausen. Is, Munchausen. Sorry, nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, which, yeah, I don't know a lot about. I've never heard of, and no. uh, I'm excited to see because you know it's interesting that we're. I mean, I'm I'm big up on Time Bandits. I'm big down on this one. Well, not big down. I just, this didn't hit me the way that did. I think you're probably lukewarm on Time Bandits and like tepid on this one, maybe. Um, yeah, I'd say tepid is yeah. a good way of putting it. Yeah. But, you know, um, congrats. Like what a, what a piece of, what a piece of film. It's an incredible thing to watch. Yeah. It's, it's more just uh, engagement wise, which was a, was a, was a, a struggle. Oh yeah, much like oh, probably people listening to this podcast will find their experience. Yeah, apologies for any low energy. You fuck you. I, I'm not apologizing. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I was just saying. I was just looking at the runtime, and uh, yeah, it looks like the Adventures of Baron Munchausen is two hours and six. So yeah, nice and nice and tight, relatively. Uh, oh yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, okay, let's um, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Late over here. Uh, great app. Thanks for doing all the heavy lifting with the the research, the contextualization, the plot. Uh, I really feel like that's how it should be from now on. I uh, would love that kind of dynamic. I would love to not do much for this show. I would love to just turn up, uh, talk about movies I like, talk about movies uh, – don't talk about movies I don't like. I just want it to be mm-hmm. easy, mm-hmm. easy breezy. Uh, so please uh, continue uh, doing that for me. <laughs> no, and I'm getting in just in from from Spiel, Spielberg texted me again and, and all the oh. listeners they think it should be the same oh really Spielberg yeah. said that mm-hmm. oh can I just can you just show me the can you show me your phone real quick uh, no I've already got the poster for Baron of Munchie um, yeah do you want to just close that get the text up from Spielberg so I want to uh, it's, see it's, I don't the uh, they, they disappear when I um when I mm. like, hey it looks like another guy from Time Band it's in, in Baron huh oh that, okay who, yeah. who? Which one? Uh, I'm just looking at the poster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was also a Time Bandits guy in Brazil. Oh, Jack Purvis. I think it's the same guy. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Jack Purvis. Yeah, he yeah, played yeah, the yeah. he played the other doctor who was like a quack. Oh, Jesus. Sting. What? Sting's in this thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got John Neville, Eric Idle, Oliver Reed, Uma Thurman, Robin Williams. Robin Williams? Yeah. Jonathan Price is back. The dad from Fleabag. Oh my God! Robin Williams plays King of the Moon. I can already tell. Five stars, two thumbs up for this guy. Oh, and I think the Kieran Shah. I think he plays the Oompa Loompa from um, 
from oh no no he doesn't he plays the dwarf from narnia sweet that guy's in this awesome well thank you so much everyone for for joining us for this trip to brazil um yeah. again apologies for the maybe some technical things or some low energy from us we're 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 oppressed from from this from this uh from reality reality sort of just got us a little bit and we're wearing our neckties just a little bit too tight i think yeah uh but we're gonna loosen them to go on a looks like a balloon adventure for next uh i next love week's balloon episode. adventures yeah anything i mean you know the mummy too uh around the world in 80 days i'm all for balloons cinema it, needs more of them Hey, the balloon trilogy. Let's do it. Oh, um, fuck if I actually know what? No, because I hate Up. That's one example of a balloon movie I don't. Ah, uh, okay, fair. I, I don't mean, know how I, you feel I, about that. I, I, uh, it was pretty low on my Pixar list, um, but yeah. I watched it again, and you know what? Pretty great. Pretty great. Pretty great. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's not perfect, but it's 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 it's. I think it's only not perfect because it's compared to the movies that preceded it in uh, in Pixar, which are kind of all flawless, except for maybe Cars, um, and Ratatouille. Oh, God damn you. <laughs> All right. Well, join us next week for the adventures of Baron Munchausen. Um, yeah. Thank you again for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that stuff. Thank you again to Jack Myers for our beautiful artwork. Um, and uh, until next time, um, relax, body. I don't know. What do we normally – how do we sign this off? <laughs> uh, usually you come up with a smarter reference to the film we just watched. Oh, yeah, just, of course. Um, until next time. Ones. Da, 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 da. How's that? Join, jo- Tyra, join me. Join me, Tyra. No, I'm not gonna, no, 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 no. <clears throat> that doesn't make sense. You gotta. Like, right, you do it. What's time? your what? smart reference? Huh? Oh, me? Yeah. Um, Spielberg wants it. Quick, fast. Oh, Money Spielberg is time. Um, time is until what? next time. Please don't go. Please. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> glorious.